do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are talking Nazi zombies. That's right. This week's episode is rated Z, Z, Z. <laughs> yes, uh, in companion to Overlord, which came out last week, we paired up some Nazi zombie horrors for you. Uh, and if you've been among those that have been bugging us for a really long time to do a zombie episode, this one is for you. Uh... And with a little Nazi flair, I guess. There are some great zombie movies out there. There's no denying that. It's just not our immediate go-to. Yeah, I mean, and if you've been waiting for the Dawn of the Dead episode or the Night of the Living Dead episode, well, you're going to have to keep fucking waiting. I'm sure we'll do it at some point. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but now we are doing the the gems, the highlights of the Nazi zombie subgenre alongside Overlord. We are talking Shockwaves from 1977 and Dead Snow from 2009. Yeah, that's right. Two films that have pushed this subgenre to its absolute <laughs> heights. Yeah, because not only do you have um, undead war criminals, but you also have <laughs> it sounds so much better when snow. you snow. Uh, before we get started, though, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, John, we are a little late on this, but Overlord came out last week, and that's kind of the whole theme for the episode, so we wanted to talk a little bit about um, catching Overlord in the theater. I really enjoyed it, surprisingly. Um, I was actually really worried taking you to go see it, because there's a good chunk of this movie that I knew was maybe not going to be your bag. Yeah, I had fun with it. it uh, it's a good popcorn theater movie, so if you've kind of been on the fence with it, I went in a little on the fence. It's an action movie, which is not my bag. It's a zombie movie, which we know is not my bag. And it's a war movie, which is really not my bag. Um, but I I had a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely checked a lot of boxes in the, like, not made for Kim column. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I really enjoyed it when we saw it at Fantastic Fest, and I was super excited to see it again. If you guys have not seen it in the theater, one, super important to go out and support any horror as it comes along. 
Yes, especially something that's original and isn't a sequel and isn't a reboot and no, no, no. This is um, like a bad robot film. So like, Rated R bad robot film. Yeah, so we don't get a lot of the stuff in the theater and especially now with everything hitting um, VOD instantly and heading on Netflix and stuff. When you get stuff in your theater, go see it. Yeah, and to the opening sequence of this movie, the first 20 minutes, I think has to be seen in the theater. And it's stressful. It, right? Exactly. I think that's why you go to the theater. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, you got the comfort of your own home. That's nice and all. But it's not going to drop you into that tension, just that heart attack-inducing opening. I think it should also be said that any movie with a flamethrower, you should see in a movie theater. I think that's a rule we should just write down By default. for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if, it, you know, if it's available, if it's only available on Netflix but has a flamethrower... You have to go to the arcade and watch it there on your phone. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, you got to at least be within the proximity of the theater. So you're saying the screen size is not... <laughs> nope. Nope. And the, the sound? Nope, you just got to check in on Foursquare at the theater, regardless of what you're watching. <laughs> Does anybody use Foursquare anymore? Is that still a thing? I don't. I never foursquared. Yeah, it seemed like a bad idea. Like, hey, criminals! I'm not at my house right now. Yeah. Come steal everything. Same as like tagging your location when you're like tweeting and stuff. I'll tag it if I'm leaving the place that I'm tagging. Yeah, like literally, like the city limits. Like I'm in the in the city limits. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. The internet's full of weird people. We watch. Like, there's some really nice people on the internet. Don't get oh, me yeah. wrong, but there's there's some weird people. Yeah, we we've never run into somebody that we regret. Like we've never run into anybody that we've talked to online that we regret doing because everybody is super nice. But it just means that we're well overdue for a psycho, right? Who's been plotting our movements this whole time? Yeah, <laughs> he's just every year. Like the location services get more and more accurate, and soon enough. I will have a lock of her hair. Oh my god! I know that got that got strange, right? <laughs> what else do we need to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear, like, those are just a few of our thoughts on Overlord. <laughs> uh, we did a drive home from the drive-in review that's available over at Patreon.com/slash Nightmare on Film Street. Which reminds me that I need to give a big shout out to two of our most recent supporters. Katie and Calvin, thank you so much for your support, for helping keep this show alive. Uh, Guys, this is a call to arms. I don't mean to scare you, but what's the term in America for this? We call it conscription. What do they call it? Where you get, you got, you've been drafted. And it's a (laughs) mandatory draft. We got some Nazis out there. Got a flamethrower for everybody, though. So, I mean, if you've been waiting for that moment your entire life like I have, it's going to be fine. Just, um, don't try and light cigarettes with the flamethrower. Sounds like a bad idea, is all I'm saying. Thank you guys so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. And another little note. While we're on the topic of Patreon, we are doing our holiday cards again this year. So if you are a patron or you wanted to be a patron, please just make sure your your profile is updated with your full mailing address if you've moved, if you haven't added your, your address yet, and if you're a new patron, just make sure you put that in there. Um, we're going to be mailing out those cards the end of the month, the beginning of next month. So uh, get to your profile, fill it out. And, uh, you know, it's something that we forget about because we're Canadian and it's already happened for us. Uh, If you are a listener in the United States today, especially. Just a reminder. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) You're late. Dinner is starting in an hour and you should already be there. 
Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't necessarily know what you're thankful for. Probably horror movies. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and period, right? Full stop. We just want to take the opportunity, uh, while everybody's being thankful, just to say thank you guys all for listening, subscribing, reviewing, following us on the internet. Um, recommending the show to your family at the dinner table tonight. Re- recommending the show to your family. Um, <laughs> and supporting us on Patreon and everything that you guys do. Uh, we love doing Nightmare on Film Street, and we are so thankful to be invited into your homes. Aw. And your ears. Yeah. And your ear holes. Yeah, it got weird. All right. <laughs> yep. Thank you again, everybody. Um, enough business up top. Let's get into the show. Let's talk about some Nazi zombies. So Dead Snow from 2009, currently sitting at a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 61% Metacritic rating. You hadn't seen this movie before, right? No, and I have to say I had really, really high hopes for it. I've heard really great things, like across the horror community, like this is a really great zombie movie, it's in the snow, it's cold weather, they're Nazis, it's got a whole lot of uh, interesting horror things about it. Yeah, um, I have only seen the second one. I thought I had seen the first one. Definitely not. Second one is a hell of a lot of fun. The first one, what's really cool about it is that it's a Cabin in the Woods story, but it's also a zombie story, and it's also a Nazi thing. So like, maybe that's why people like it so much. It's that it's a it's an intersection of so many genres, and it's it's also almost a horror comedy. I guess it is a comedy, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say it has... It's kind of in that era, too, like the early 2000s, the late 90s, where we were trying to, like, re-identify horror because the slasher had kind of um, fallen by the wayside. We'd had a lot of them. Everything had become meta. Yeah, we were doing kind of meta weird stuff, and there was a lot of remakes, so it's just like, we're just gonna, like, fruit basket this. Yeah, whatever ideas you got, just throw them in, guys. We're gonna make (laughs) every horror movie a stew and every ingredient's important. Yeah, I was really surprised at how indie this was, how kind of like scrappy and DIY it kind of was. I didn't realize this was one, I, I, I think I knew it was a foreign film, but I wasn't expecting it to be, to feel so small budget. I was really surprised. I was like, wow, this is kind of cool for how, how many times I've seen this film mentioned in the community, like on lists and just recommendations for, like, lesser-known horror films and underrated picks. This one's always mentioned. Yeah. I think it just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, my my recollection of the second one is that I, I think I've always watched it, like, with Crank. Like, I watched Crank or Crank 2, and I'm like, oh, let's follow it up with Dead Snow 2. Why have you seen the second one? That doesn't make any sense. I think at one point it was the only movie that was available on Netflix. Like the second one and not the first one? Yeah, yeah, and I remember really liking it, but it, it definitely is not that Cabin in the Woods style. It's it's a much larger movie. We, we were going across the countryside, and like the, <laughs> I think at one point they have to go to a World War II museum to learn about these Nazis or get weapons to fight them. I remember being really over the top and awesome. And like this one is definitely really over the top, but indie awesome. Yeah, so we follow a group of 
college students. I think they're all training to be doctors. I think every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. they're on their Easter break, so they're going to um, one of them, Sarah's, uh, like, cottage cabin thing in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, so so in the middle of fucking nowhere that they have to park their car and then, like, hike several miles in, like, a snow trail made by one guy on a snowmobile who, like, goes ahead. I love that. I'm not about that. Like, okay, <laughs> so I know you're in a horror film, la la la, like... I already assume something's going to go wrong and they're three hours away from the fucking car. But would you ever? Would you ever? I guess that's the same as camping. Like, you're like, okay, leaving the car here, going to go hike for a day and a half and, like, set up camp on the top of this mountain. But, uh, Yeah, no, I, I love the idea uh, of, a, of a remote cabin. I would like to be able to drive up to it. Or, at the very least, everyone's got a skidoo. <laughs> Right? Yeah. The, the sheer fact that one guy gets to go ahead and he's not making a convenient path. No, he's, he's like, you know, it'd be like, nice. I'm going to put a, do a little S pattern here. So and he's know. doing like jumps and tricks and shit. And you're like, yo, buddy. And then I, I, I guess he shoots. starts a fire. He starts a fire so the place is warm when they get there. But it seems like it'd be nice if you just returned. like And picked the, up one of them. Yeah. Just keep going back and forth until you got everybody, right? No, aren't they all carrying luggage too? Like what? Could, He could have at least attached a sled and brought their bags. <laughs> we're so offended by the opening <laughs> moments that we haven't even, we're not even going to get to zombies <laughs> today, guys. It's just about asshole customs. <laughs> Oh, man. And then when they get there, his his suggestion, like, you know what? Forget the fire. I got an idea, guys. Let's go snow tubing. And then they're, they're just, just, like, shivering at the edge of the property. <laughs> On the other hand, though, the snow tubing looks great. Yeah, he attaches them to yeah. the skidoo. They don't have to do a damn thing. They they just rip around on it. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, except that they're ultra cold and it'd be nice to maybe get some warm. I guess the ones that aren't snow tubing are inside drinking hot cocoa by the fire. I'm about that. Isn't that what everybody's about? Like, isn't that why we all go Isn't skiing? that why we're all here? Yeah. Hot cocoa. cocoa by the fire. No <laughs> one actually likes skiing. It's all about the chalet. You go out, you're cold for a day, you come in, you burn your tongue on some hot chocolate. That's what it's, that's what it's about. That's where the core the of it is. The true spirit of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> And can we also say there is one other person in this movie we have not mentioned yet, and that is the character Sarah, who instead of parking her car and walking a whole day up to this crazy in the middle of nowhere cabin, decides she's going to trek in the snow for days to get to it? Well, I think she's coming from a different spot. She's coming from like the mountains or something. Alone. Um, but in the cold open, we learn that there are Nazi zombies. I don't think at this point we know anything about them. Well, I think we know. We just know that I think we all things. saw the poster that there are Nazi zombies and they get her. So Sarah's like, no more. Yeah. Definitely not alive. I ha- I do have to say, though, that in this kind of cabin in the woodsy slasher setup, these characters fucking suck they're the worst i hate you don't even need to get to the cabin to figure that out i hate drive up they are every single one of them an asshole i hate every single one of them like i I was even early in the film i was like who's gonna make it to the end because i don't care for any of these people yeah you got like these dude bro frat guys who are just making gross jokes the worst and saying nasty things and for some reason even though half of them are couples they do like a guy car girl car so that they can talk about the other like the dating situation and like it's just it's lewd and it's crude and what about the girls do the girls say anything i don't remember yeah they're talking they're talking about the same thing and who's single and who's whatever doesn't seem like it'd be news 
Like, everybody would just know there's nothing to talk about. Well, all we learn in the girl's car, like, only important information, we learn that Hannah, who's got the dreadlocks, her boyfriend, or her fiancé, her boyfriend is the doctor-in-training guy who does not like blood. So, right from Horror Rules, we know that that is going to be addressed right away. Oh, he's not going to be able to save her. She's going to be covered <laughs> in blood, and it's going to be awful. And there's going to be a lot of blood, and he's going to have to either, like, come over his fear, and then he gets to be the guy that survives to the end, or he's going to die in a pool of blood. <laughs> Good God. Is that the story arc of this movie? That, that, he is, to... the, <laughs> that is literally it. Uh, so one character needs to, to conquer his fear of blood to become a doctor. Yeah, so, like, a few of the, the only lead characters that got any kind of, like, meat, and then Hannah... Yeah, we learn she's claustrophobic briefly, and then she ends up in that avalanche thing where she's, like, stuck in the snow. And Okay, so, everybody's a jerk. That's what we know. Which, I mean, honestly... They're all wieners. Not, not necessarily bad for a zombie movie, because we want to see all their intestines pulled out of their, okay. their bellies. I do want to say, though, there was a lot of intestines in this movie. I saw every character's intestines, and I saw a few zombie intestines. I saw intestines I didn't want to see. <laughs> there was at least, I'm going to say, a good half dozen intestines from different sources Better in question. this movie. I saw an intestine tied to a tree. I saw an intestine carrying somebody over the side of a cliff. I saw intestines. Oh, yeah. One of them was de- <laughs> definitely used for, like, a life-saving device. As a rope. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so quick question. Uh, if you were to line up all these intestines, uh, one after the other, how far do you think it stretches? Around the world. So, it's, it's the first night they're there. Everybody's tired. Everybody's having a few drinks. But what they do is weird. Like, their whole hangout thing is weird. They have really weird back-and-forth banter, and the jokes are really odd. And I don't know if it's because, like, we were watching the U.S. dubbed version with some really interesting voice acting. (laughs) But also, there's a quasi, like murder attempt that's right so martin's just talking to her about anesthesiology so martin who's our lead protagonist like he's taken us to the end i mean we don't know that initially but we know because he's got the one fatal flaw yeah the assholes make it to the end of this movie and you know to be fair pretty standard issue for a zombie movie but martin is explaining how anesthesiology was done back in the day and like oh, let me show you the the old school version of putting somebody under for surgery. And he pins her arms down. Yeah, and she's like, you're pinning my arms down. He's like, yeah, no, I know. No, I know. no, yeah. no, no. Close your eyes. It's fine. We're going <laughs> to... Okay, first off, I don't care what you're going to do. You're going to show me old school anesthesiology. Chances are I'm going to pass out. No thanks. He puts a pillow on her face. Yeah, and, like, and he's just smothering suffocating her. her. And everybody in the party's like, hey, uh, you, you know she can't breathe. Like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's fine, it's fine. And he holds what? it on way too long and then what when he finally lets her up or she breaks free or whatever there's this like really tense moment where we all realize like that wasn't okay and he's like oh i'm the asshole here (laughs) and then we just leave it and they're still dating and they're dating the next day (laughs) and that would have ended the entire trip i would have said uh, like fuck this i'm hiking back to the car yeah or give me the goddamn skidoo not even that i would say you are going to the car i want you to bring the fucking car here and we're leaving oh my god how are these people friends that was like such a weird that was a weird vibe for the movie i don't know where we go from here because he definitely tried to murder her he's gonna i want to say grow up this guy's definitely in his late 20s but he's gonna be a serial killer i think it's because he's got such a big aversion to blood that he's like no i will find an alternate way to perform surgeries and knock people out and stuff where we don't have to put needles in their arms we can just suffocate them temporarily and everything will be fine that's that's maybe that's what it was i don't know 
It was just, he tried to kill his girlfriend on night one. And then, like, the zombies aren't even here yet. So one, two, skip a few. Uh, Sarah hasn't arrived yet. It's the next morning. We're sort of concerned, but not really. Not enough that, like, when we leave on the only skidoo to go find her, we don't stop a few times to do a few cool flips and jumps. Right. And eat a sandwich. There are so many action shots. Yeah, and he's just (laughs) eating a sandwich with some cheese. Like, man, what a nice day. I'm not concerned at all about finding the frozen body of a girl I love. We forgot about the the harbinger guy. So there's this like weird uh, hiker guy who comes in and tells this really long, ominous Nazi story. Yeah. The first night. He comes and he's just like, make me some coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Give me your beer. Oh, and he also shits on the coffee. Like, hey, who made the coffee? I did. Oh, that was funny. And she's like, it's organic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he tells them all about the Nazis who used to come into the area and torture the villagers. And they, you know, if that wasn't bad enough, they stole all their gold. <laughs> and like ran them into the mountains. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Um, I'm sure it's all going to come into play at some point. But then he kind of says something weird about like keeping quiet or whatever. So it's almost like everybody knows there's zombies here. And if you're loud, you'll wake them up. Yeah. Almost. It's, it's kind of. But like then he showed up to warn them. Yeah. You know? But then he leaves and he just goes and camps in his tent in the wilderness. And you're like, wait. If you know that there's evil here and evil coming, like, why are you just, like, chilling in a tent? Yeah, he doesn't at all sound like it's a joke. Like, he's trying to ruin their night or, or something. Or, like, yeah, just tease the kids. He sounds sincere about it. Yeah. He grabs one of them by the throat. He strangles one of them. Yeah. A theme here. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets strangled. And he's like, what are you going to do if you're faced with certain death? It's. And then he's faced with it later that night and he dies. And he seems kind of surprised by it. You know, that scene is, is actually pretty scary. Where if he there dies was in the tent? Yeah. Uh because he's got I think he's got a fire going outside a little bit, right? No, I think he's like down for the night. My mistake. He's, well, he's got a lantern at he's least. He's got a gun. He's got a lantern, he's got a gun. But when he goes out to investigate, you just realize how pitch black it is. Yeah, I did like the scenes of the flashlight like on the snow and you can't see anything else. Like that's it does get fucking dark in the wilderness. Yeah. It's like he's trying to use a single straw as a binocular. Like, how are you ever going to use this tiny little beam of light to scan out the entire area? Especially once we learn that these are not slow zombies. So you see one in the distance, and then it slits his fucking throat because it finds him before he finds it again with the beam of light. Oh, man. Spooky. Yeah. I think, honestly, though, I think it was one zombie who was, like, in his, in front of him. Another got his attention. Zombie? Yeah, so kind of like... The raptors. Tag team. Yeah, they attack from the side. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> raptors. <laughs> <laughs> so he's dead. Uh, our hunk who's gone off on a skidoo to find his girlfriend encounters the dead body of the Harbinger Man. And then he falls in a pit, which has got a whole bunch of like Nazi memorabilia in it. And also his dead girlfriend's head. One thing we learned real quickly in that scene, though, which I, I was waiting for, uh, is that... If you are attacked by a zombie, you do not become a zombie. Yes. And because this film exists in a world where there are horror movies, uh, one of the characters, Erland, Erland, we'll get to him in a bit, um, but he's definitely a horror movie fan because he's talking about horror movies uh, when they get to the cabin. He also, when they realize that they're facing zombies, says that you can't get bitten because you'll Whatever you do, don't get bit. Yeah. And fun fact about him is he's also wearing a brain dead t-shirt. Uh, which is, for us in the North Americas, uh, Dead Alive. Yep. He dies like a character in that movie. He gets fingers in his eyes and his head split apart. Oh, it's the greatest death ever. It's the greatest death. It's It's the the greatest death ether. (laughs) Thank you. 
You're welcome. Because his head cracks open like a walnut and his brains just splatter oh out Oh my on god, the and the zombies don't even get his brains because they fall on the floor in the cabin. I love a good brain shot. Oh man, so good. And that's the, I think that's one of the only instances of brains in this whole movie. That's what I was going to say. It's the only time where we have anything other than intestines. Actually, something I read really fun about this movie is the director, who also co-wrote the film, in an interview says, I like to think of them as Nazi zombies. In that they are Nazis first, and then they are zombies. So, yes, they are using their abilities as zombies to come back and get these trans... I guess they're not even transgressors. Just to get these people. Yeah, they do take their gold out. I mean... Oh, that's true. They did transgress. They found their gold in their little cottage fridge. (laughs) Yeah, which was like, what? A great place to hide the gold if anybody's looking. They'll never look in the teeny fridge. Yeah, but apparently in the one guy who has his dream the first night uh, about Sarah, she comes in and puts something in the cabin. So I don't know if her ghost or whatever Mm. and something about the land bringing people back because they don't really get into how these zombies come back. Like, are they cursed because of the gold? You kind of assume. Are they ghosts? Because they're not like plague zombies. They're not not like sickness zombies. Yeah, it looks like they were awoken. They seem to be a lot like the... Like the fog? Or the pirates. Yeah, actually, it's it's a good blend of Pirates of the Caribbean and the fog, right? They are very Pirates of the Caribbean. They're like, ah, I'm going to eat my gold. Because they seem to be called by it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's a scene where somebody drops it in the snow and they're all like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if the, if the lepers in the fog were actually zombies, boom, that's our movie right there. <laughs> Back at the cottage, having drinks, acting like fools, and... I don't even know how to say this. Pooping in the water closet. Erland uh, announces to the room that he's going to go take a shit. Um, Long story short, two characters have sex in an outhouse. While one of them's pooping. While one of them is pooping. Like, I don't even want to talk about this moment. I'm sorry, Kim. I have nothing else to say about this movie other than this scene. They finish up, whatever. He leaves, he goes back inside, and he's just like all smug-faced, and they're like, you're gone a while. He leaves Chris, the girl, in the outhouse, because I assume she's like, actually gotta go to the bathroom, and it was like, ill time. I don't know. Uh. She's still in the outhouse. There's obviously a zombie out there. It like, reaches in through the back of the outhouse and like pulls her is that what into it does? the poop. For oh. a second I thought that poor girl was going to die of hypothermia from And it was from, steaming. Oh, wanna, it was uh... John it was steaming, <laughs> which means it was fresh at oh. Oh, it's disgusting. Everything about this is disgusting. Honestly, this scene just got worse and worse and worse. Okay, this guy's in the outhouse pooping. Gross. Hopefully he gets killed by a zombie and this is over fast. Nope. Somebody's coming in. They're having sex in there. Guys, it's going to smell so disgusting. How could you possibly he was think this is a good idea? He was sitting on the toilet with his pants down. Like, he, oh. his, he was probably not done. I really hope that that actress has gone on to have a really bright career and she can bury this role down in the bottom of her IMDb list. And it's like the first thing she ever did and she doesn't have to talk about it ever in interviews or ever, ever, ever. Because it's just like, yeah, so I um, I had one big scene where poop and zombies and poop again <laughs> like how do you how do you go home at christmas and tell everybody that this is what you did over the holidays oh man and like, you know she could be she could be really proud it's one of those things i guess that when you're filming it it's hilarious and to you it's really funny because you're so removed from it you're like yeah we smeared some brownie batter over me i <laughs> crawled through the snow it was really funny it was so there were so many takes that got ruined because we were laughing over the audio track not happening here, guys. Like, I know it's played for humor and yucks. It is so fucking gross. I can't. 
handle it. Ugh. A bunch of people die in various different ways. Something that bugs me so much is that the two characters that I hate the most are the guys that make it out alive. Yeah, so they propose splitting up a bunch of times, and everybody's like, that's not really a good idea. But this time they're like, yeah, totally, we're not all gonna die. In doing that, one of the girls is immediately disemboweled, live, and it's this really cool POV moment where the camera's all funny, and we get to see more intestines, which is, you know, what this movie was really lacking. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hannah ends up in the snow because she is chased by zombies, she climbs a tree, la la la. Finds herself at the edge of a cliff. Falls off a cliff with one. I wouldn't even say falls intentionally. Yeah, where she's stomping. She's like, meh. And you're like, you're going to die. And she's like, meh. And you're like, you're really going to die. She's like, meh again. <laughs> yeah, she and sees that she's on a buildup at the end of the cliff and she takes a zombie down with her. They both survive because a zombie I get, but her, she ends up like butt up in the snow. <laughs> There's a great callback scene though. She's got to figure out what direction to dig because yeah, and there's of, some uh... like Blair Witch boogers. It's great. But yeah, that zombie's still alive. She definitely kicks his fucking head in. I love when people kill zombies without weapons. I love when they smush their brains and stuff because they'd be so soft and pliable. Speaking of without weapons, because they're old. Because they old. Uh, speaking of without weapons, these Nazis don't have weapons either. No, you'd think they would have. They would be using guns or something. Especially given that they have guns. They do. They have a secret cache that the one guy falls in right? with skidoo gun. Yeah, and he like attaches one of those guns to his skidoo and he comes roaring in there when the zombie horde is chasing down Martin and Ross, Martin and Roy, and just starts pumping lead into these guys. Yeah, and then the one boss zombie's pretty cool. We haven't talked about him. The boss zombie's pretty he's great. He's just super ominous and he's got like this cool jaw teeth thing. And he yeah. wears his hat all proper. I wonder if the zombies, like, before they rise, were, like, in their little bunker, like, ironing their suits. <laughs> we can look decayed, but the suits must be pressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you must look your best, and you must starch those creases. <laughs> Turn out, boys. <laughs> like, Jimmy, put your jaw back on. <laughs> Line up for inspection. Your jaw is misplaced. Oh, uh, I was I was really hoping we weren't going to make any Nazi jokes get through this episode, but we made it about 20 minutes. So good job, John. Uh, we did it. Unfortunately, yeah, Martin gets bitten. He, he, he chops off part of his arm with a chainsaw, which he doesn't know he does not need to do. No, he does not. But on the other hand, I mean, there's got to be a lot of bad bacteria. Like, if you get, if a person bites you, you need to tend to that wound. Or, a, like, let alone a zombie. Think about all the horrible, yeah, but be when, like getting a flesh-eating but disease. But cutting off an arm when you're, like, out in the wilderness, especially when it's below zero, is just not a good idea. Yeah, and he's, I love that he's like, remember how they taught us about amputating? I think we can handle this. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? What? Also, they're doctors, and they do that movie thing where you're like, I'm just gonna burn the wound, that seals it. You're like, yeah, done. done. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, always works. Every doctor's always recommended it. <laughs> Just stick your arm in the fire. <laughs> that is my favorite. We're like, you get a bullet hole, we're like, heat up the iron. <laughs> this will fix it all. Like, no, you're like, maybe There's doing. still a bullet in there. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get bullet. that out. Unfortunately, Roy doesn't make it out. In fact, our hunk on the skidoo, I don't remember his goddamn name, he doesn't make it out either. Vigard. 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 Super sad. Oh, and of course, Martin, the super nice guy that he is, gets a chance to finally kill his girlfriend. Yeah, she makes it out, she makes it back. And After then... falling off a cliff, she makes it out alive. And then he, like, whaps her in the neck with a 
Is it uh, an axe? Yeah, yeah, like a little hatchet. I mean, she did make the mistake. Like, he is clearly just pummeling this zombie. He is in rage mode. And she does she comes the, to, like, tap, the, him, tap on him on the, the shoulder. shoulder. Like, how is that a good idea? <laughs> when has that ever worked? You don't tap somebody on the shoulder if they're cooking with something hot. But he definitely foreshadowed her death by almost murdering her in Act 1. <laughs> yeah. Well, his dreams have come true. The prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> that old creepy man was right. Ugh. So then eventually he returns them the gold. He's like the lone survivor. He's running towards the car. Everything's peachy. He's going to be okay. Yeah, they seem cool. They're like, right, cool. Thank you for the gold. You may go. go. On your but day. then, in true the fog, they realize <gasps> what about Single the cross? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come back for one last scare. Uh, yeah, he still has a coin in his pocket. One thing I gotta say, I don't want to talk too much about the sequel, but the greatest thing about the sequel is that it literally takes place the moment this movie ends. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Which is interesting because there's nobody left from the yeah. original. You have one guy. Yeah, and like Evil Dead 2, it sort of summarizes the, the first movie and picks up right where that zombie punches through the window, and then we're across the countryside, out of the cabin, and into the woods where zombies are running around. I don't really know what their motivation is in the second one. Is it just, He might just get away with the coin. They're like, oh, we need that coin back. Maybe they're awoken. Mm. Maybe the, somebody stealing their gold awoke them, and now they're ready to continue um, their Nazi agenda. We should totally watch it. It's I remember it being a lot of fun. But before we move on, Kim... How would you rate Dead Snow? Oh, man. I was so frustrated by this movie. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of intestines. The characters were all wieners. I did Every really, single one of them. I did really like the zombies. There seems to be a lot of Nazi zombie movies, which is weird because you don't think of it as its own subgenre, but it definitely, oh, definitely totally is. Oh, it's totally a subgenre. It definitely is. And there's no way that Overlord isn't bringing it back. I want more zombie westerns. Oh, yeah. Well, the I'm, sandwich. Okay, so we'll go ahead and play Red Dead Redemption 2. He didn't hear me. The sandwich. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go 2 out of 4. I'm going to give us a 2.5 out of 4 because I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you take out that outhouse scene, I might bump up to a 3. <laughs> you offer me a director's cut with that scene taken out, I'd buy it. I did like the skidoo jumping, though. That was... Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Are they not called... They're called snowmobiles. I think... <laughs> You're skidoos are the water ones. No, that's a sea-doo, isn't it? Sea-doo and skidoo? Or wait a minute. Oh, no. Are we just taking the word, like, 23 skidoo and just <laughs> applying it to a snow machine? I don't know. It's probably... It's I think a snowmobile. Right. I think it's a snowmobile. Okay. We live in Canada. Why don't we know this? I've never been on one. I've been... Actually, that's not true. There used one. to be one beside my grandma's house and I used to sit on it. Oh, all right. <laughs> so you've been like on one. You've just never ridden. In a stack of logs, so I don't think it was working. <laughs> it's so fucked up. You Room. see people riding those things through water. We live in an, an area where there's literally snowmobile tracks beside next the to the road. Yeah. Like, th There's no sidewalk there, but there are snowmobile walk, snowmobile path. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. In the Arctic, in the tundra, people will go from ice float to ice float across the water with their snowmobile. I don't agree. I don't agree either. That's it seems scary. like an awful idea. But everybody looks like they're having a good time, so it can't be that bad. All right, moving on, we are going to talk about Shockwaves from 1977. Something unknown, something unforeseen, something unspeakable lives below, and it lives to destroy. <coughs> they have risen. We created the perfect soldier from cheap hoodlums and thugs in a good number of pathological murderers and sadists as well. We call them the Totem Corps, the Death Corps. 
creatures more horrible than any you can imagine. Starring the masters of shock, John Carradine and Peter Cushing. You are indeed very stupid. Now it is too late. Now the total horror has begun. Now there is no way out. Now the ocean becomes a graveyard. So Shockwaves from 1977. Currently sitting at a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. And it didn't have a critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a 39% audience rating. Yeah, and surprisingly, no rating from Roger Ebert on this one. (laughs) What did you know about this movie going in? Did you know anything? Well, before we even considered it for the podcast, all I knew was aquatic Nazi zombies. I didn't even know they were aquatic. You know what? I don't even think I knew they were Nazis. I just knew (laughs) aquatic zombies. I knew, like, cool goggle zombies. Yeah. I was I was picturing, like, a bunch of Igors, which is kind of what I got. Like, a bunch of Igor zombies. Kind of. Before we, like, right before we recorded, when I was, like, looking to see if it'd be a good pairing, maybe, uh, the, the only other info I got was it fully completed that aquatic Nazi zombie, and then plus Peter Cushing? That was a surprise. Yeah, I, I've seen the poster, so I was really familiar with the poster, so I was kind of just going off of that. That's and a it cool was like poster. The cool Igor zombies. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> he's holding, like, the, the wreckage of that boat like it's a machete. Looks yeah, cool. the poster for this movie is, like, really, really cool. It's the best part of this looks, movie. Looks like it's going to be a really exciting film. Oh, it looks like it's going to be a thrill ride. Yeah, so this is the, the caption for the movie. Please give it. Or the... What would you call it? Tagline? The, the poster. Poster tagline. Yeah. It's kind of long for a tagline, but Is we're going to go with it. All right. Yeah. Once they were almost... Sorry, I dropped my pen. Once they were almost human, beneath the living, beyond the dead, from the depths of hell's ocean, the deep end of horror. That was pretty good. That was... First of all, your performance. Thank Stellar. You. Secondly, great synopsis. I know. I'm sold. Oh my god, they're from the, the sea. Yeah, the depths of hell's ocean? Oh, and even before they became zo- zombies, they were almost human? You mean to tell me when these guys were walking the earth, they were monsters? Well, of yeah, mon- they're super soldiers. All right. Okay. Super soldiers. And they're beneath the living. That's my favorite line of the whole thing. Beneath the living? Beneath the living. Like, super. There's a lot of really I have to I have to give this movie credit for um, the ambitious underwater shots of the guys like walking on the bottom of the water. All of the scenes are definitely in very very shallow water. Yeah, and they're not trying to hide <laughs> it. Like they have characters just like hopping out of boats and shit. And you're like, you guys are in a puddle. You guys are on a boat. Very in a clearly puddle. in a puddle. And then when it, it's almost as though the the camera noticed and they had to improvise a way to fix it. Like, no, we hit a mudslide section. High <laughs> mud. Boat. Yeah, push, push the, the boat. boat. <laughs> it's like that uh, that news reporter who's like, yep. Flooding in the streets of wherever I am right now. As you can see, there are several feet of water. And then two people go walking by because clearly the canoe is just in a puddle. Uh, so the film opens with Rose, who is kind of abandoned in a, in a dinghy. And she's sunburnt and she's delirious and she doesn't really realize she's been rescued. And the entire film is her recounting the events of how she ended up uh, 
shipwrecked in this boat. Yeah, some great voiceover work from her too. Like I was, I was rescued, I, and I, I didn't even know. Even know. I was, and... I, little did I know that they were actually helping me. I don't know why I turned her into a, like a damsel there, but <laughs> what's great about it though is that her voiceover implies that she is retelling a story to us, which includes her being rescued. So not like we are three stages away from what's actually happened. Like the movie is a story that she's probably told these people who rescued her. But even that part of the story is a story that she is telling us as like an omnipotent narrator. Yeah, so this is after the rescue. Yeah. So we cut back to the incident. She's on this mysterious yacht with a with another couple. So it's Rose, who is the young, cool swimmer girl on this sort of yacht. But it looks like a fisherman's boat. But we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, there's Keith and, sorry, there's Norman and Beverly, who are this, like, really dysfunctional couple. He's an ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then there's Chuck, who's kind of easygoing, kind of cool. I don't know why he's on the fucking boat. He's a playboy with a perm. Uh, there's Keith, who is, like, the first mate, co-captain. And then there's Captain Ben Morris, who is played by John Carradine. Yeah. John Carradine, by the way, has 300, had 351 credits listed to his name on imdb that's a lot of credit that's insane i was just taking a quick scroll through every single one of those credits looks like a movie we should watch so how many of his movies have you seen john of the 300 <laughs> of the 351 i mean if i do a quick little tally right now at least one i've seen <laughs> shockwaves and the name is very familiar he's in some uh, alfred hitchcock presents stuff he was in uh, an episode of the girl from uncle and two episodes of the man from uncle a lot of tv work a lot of cool movies. They look like creature features. I'm sure he shook hands with Roger Corman more than once. And he is a salty captain. Can we just say? He is taking none of the shit from... But on the other hand, the people that he's got on his boat, equal asses. Yeah, but they are also paying customers. And he's just like, I already spent your money. And you're like, well, okay. <laughs> they come across uh, some weird orange glow. Yeah, there's some strange lighting. Uh, but then cut to night. We don't care. It's nighttime. Everybody's under... What do you call that when you're in the bed? In the galley? <laughs> yeah, the galley. Under, under the ship. Is off it just the, called a galley? Off the. We never get an understanding I don't of know how any ship terms. Like, of oh, the God. layout of this 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 boat, but it seems like it can hold a lot of people. Yeah, because there's two downstairs because the couple they're like I'm going upstairs, and then he goes upstairs, and then he's in another level, and then he's like I'm going up upstairs. This is a big boat. For what it looks like on, on the sea. It doesn't look that big. And they're all surprised that they're the only people there. Every time we met a new character, I was shocked that there was space for that person. Yeah, I didn't know this was a tourist boat. I thought this was like a fishing boat. I don't even honestly know where they're going. I don't either. Did they ever explain that? I have no idea. Because it's definitely not a cruise or, or even like some low rent cruise. Why didn't they fly? Maybe they were trying to go somewhere where that was only accessible by boat. Well, they sure ended up at a place only accessible by several boats. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this vacation seems perfect for the kind of person that wants to die at sea. Perfect. Yeah. Ideal. Simply ideal. And for, <laughs> and for all the complaints this guy has about how dingy the boat is and how unkempt everything is, why did he even pay to go on the boat? I don't know. You know what? You know what I realized? This is 1977. He did not look up reviews of that boat online and see photos. He yeah. did not go to TripAdvisor. That's his own fault. Nope. Yeah. So night comes and the younger guy... Keith is man in the ship yeah. with his toes. Heading north-northwest. Rose comes up. They're having some cute back-and-forth banter. While they're talking, he kind of reveals, like, really nonchalantly. Oh, all that, the equipment's broken. Yeah, yeah, that the compass hasn't been working all day. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like, 
It's really, we don't know where we are. I, I love the reveal of info, though. Like, uh, so how do you like navigate this thing? Oh, it's really simple. It's just based on mathematics. I mean, you point your boat where Distance, you need to go. Direction, time. Speed. Yeah, time, speed, and you'll get there in time. Like, oh, so where are we now? He's like, I, don't I know. have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> compass has been broken. None of the equipment works. We're just floating on sheer willpower. And on top of that, there's a ghost ship. Yeah, there's a ghost ship, and he's traveling in darkness. Pure darkness. Which is why it's so easy for them to come up on this ghost ship. They crash into the ghost it's ship. It's not a ghost ship, but it's definitely a, a ship that's ominous. Um, well, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Which is a surprise. Like a ghost. Like a ghost. And it ruptures the hull like a ghost iceberg. It doesn't rupture the... Well, I guess it does rupture the hull. They leave the boat the next day because it's carrying yeah, water. But he says everything's fine. He's like, go back to bed. And the captain's just like, rah, 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 all crotchety. And then the next day, he's missing. And then they have to get off the boat. And I'm like, I missed a step here. Why are we getting off the boat? And they're like, okay, we have to repair the hull. But everybody gets off and goes on this abandoned island, and nobody is repairing the hull. So I don't understand. I don't know that they necessarily brought equipment to repair the hull, which is crazy because oh, so even in Captain on... Ron, they have equipment to repair a boat. Yeah, so they're just planning on being on this abandoned island and hoping for the best. Yeah. Like, were they long term planning on staying on this island? I don't think so. I thought I think... it was just one night. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what the plan is. Like, you would think, okay, get everybody off the boat, safety first, don't want to get into a lawsuit, and then we'll go back, and using the tools and materials we brought in case of an emergency, we'll pump the water out and fix her up. Yeah, and meanwhile, while we're de-boating to another, like, dinghy to take us to the island, we see the captain dead and drowned, and also, the the boat that they crashed into has now become wreckage, like, it was a boat, and now it's just, like, old rusty wreckage well, in the water and then these like zombie guys come out of the wreckage and then there's a bunch of really fun you are you are watching scenes. this movie on fast forward right now there's a great shot i'm just getting us to the deep boating you were talking about them being on the island i'm getting us there i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but there there is a great shot the night before where he, the, he shoots up a flare and that's how he's able to see the boat and it's it's pure wreckage. We see there. That's why we... there's a lot of flare misadventure in this movie. There is a lot. Flare's gone wrong. <laughs> We're gonna flare's get... gone wild. <laughs> flare's gone wild. That's the alternate title. On the way to the island, when they discover the captain's body, uh, a scare that is used more than once in this movie yeah, is they got the glass nice, bottom boat. They got a nice little viewport for, like, I guess, fish watching. Yeah, for the tourists. The you only know. thing they ever see in it is corpses. <laughs> This is our uh, corpse finder. <laughs> corpse finder 3000. <laughs> Somebody climbs a tree. I think it's Chuck. Chuck climbs a tree for no reason. Uh, I guess he's going to get a coconut. But while he's up there, he sees a old abandoned hotel. Which is like, oh, convenient. Yeah, right? There's nothing else on this island. There isn't even like a loungy area. If you got an abandoned hotel, surely to God there's some lounge chairs that have been misplaced on the beach, but there's no evidence. It was a really ornate hotel. And you're kind of wondering too, because you know this is going to end up being a Nazi movie, and you're like, where does this hotel fit in with the Nazis? The answer is... Peter Cushing. <laughs> yeah, Peter Cushing's like a Nazi hermit who's yeah. after. So he was. He tells them this story uh, that there he was in charge of a death squad of unhuman Elite, murderous uh, mutants. Yeah, are they mutants? Because they're definitely mutants. They wear goggles that kill them if you take them. Oh off. Jesus, that doesn't even make or any sense. Or is that a zombie fact? Like, is that a zombie or? Are they not zombies? They just never died, and this is oh, them in their that regular... Is, that is a great question. What's really interesting is that they mentioned to him that they ran into the wreckage. He goes, what wreckage? What are you talking about? Ma, 
Because by their their estimation, it's been there for decades. Because it's been rotting and rusting. Boats don't rot. They rust. Um, and Boats Peter Cushing can can't believe it. Because Boats can be whatever they want. It's the boat that he sank. Because he was, he was the, the commander of the squad. And he realized when the war was ending and Nazis were losing, thankfully, uh, that... He sunk Good job the ship. Getting that in there, John. I, I don't know why I thought I had to. I think just, we're all just so pretty know. happy those guys are gone. <laughs> just so you know, guys, we don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> just in case you were wondering where our stance was. Um, Peter Cushing decides to sink the ship and kill all the guys inside. But you can't kill what is already dead. Evil is eternal, don't you know? P.S. Is Peter Cushing? Like, he's still a Nazi, right? I thought he. Because he, he so wait, hang wait, the flag. Yeah, I was gonna say so. Like he's like this crazy hermit who's like I've been alone so long. Apart from like taking care of those fish, like good on him for keeping those fish alive in the kitchen. Yeah. Although were they food fish? No, I don't know. <laughs> One point they're run, they're trying to escape on the boat or whatever, and then he just he takes it upon himself to do like some interior decorating, and he like <laughs> spruces up the office again, and they come in and he's like got the flag up, and he's like, oh by the way, this is that kind of film. <laughs> <laughs> Made it a little more hospitable for you. <laughs> he does have a sweet scar. It's a crazy scar. There's a lot of like scar beauty shots too, and they're like, yeah. All over it. We paid a lot for Peter Cushing to be here. We hired a car. We hired a car. <laughs> Didn't you see that in the uh, IMDb trivia? The old IMDb trivia? Nope. He was paid $25,000 for wow. his five minute role, and he got a, uh, a car. Like they hire. gave him a car? No, like a oh. driver from his like chartered flight. From England yep. to come up here in this Nazi zombie movie. Sounds like standard issue. Like, if you're going to pay for somebody to be in your movie, pay for them to get there, too. Yeah, but then they only paid John Carradine, I think it was like $5,000. Well, I mean, if that's all he asked for, that's not their fault. He's got to get a better agent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, also, one of the zombies, like, wrote for, like, the Miami Herald or something. And then Are you wrote, fucking kidding? He wrote a big, like, op-ed about it, and nobody knew that he worked for the newspaper. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was like my life as a zombie. <laughs> okay, so I mean, you hinted at it a little bit earlier, and you were pretty open about your distaste of these underwater shots. Like, no, were... I love them. Oh, okay, good, because I really, really, really like. No, them. they're super cheese balls, but I'm about them. No, I thought they were awesome. I thought cheese they were great. Balls, super blue, and like. What's great about yeah, it? Yeah, but I there's think. nothing ominous about like a real life guy walking underwater and his hair being all wet. Like it would have been cool if they had done some like backwards footage where they filmed them going in the water backwards and then coming out and then being all dry. I wanted something ghostly about them being underwater, but they were just like underwater a lot. I'm I'm with you. They were definitely just Popping a normal up person like walking around, gophering out of the lake. There is nothing. They gophered out of the lake. That was their only move. There was no, there's nothing scary about wet hair. There's something about like no, a lot of these shots in the back. Underwater, it looked really ethereal, like they were mermaids. I thought it was okay underwater. As soon as they come up though, and their hair just like sticks to their head and stuff, like nah, that's a human problem. These guys are obviously not. <laughs> monsters didn't slow them down though yeah and you know what we should probably give them credit for how fast they were moving because i'm sure you've been pushed into a pool or walked into the water with your clothes on immediately 100 pounds on your body it needs to be said though that they are the most inefficient assassins of all time and how they were used in world war ii is beyond me well what they explained at the beginning is that they don't have weapons it took them three days to kill a handful of Mm. unarmed tourists who, who were in the water. Also pretty good at trying to kill themselves. playing field. <laughs> yeah, the first guy dies by sea urchin. He doesn't even die by assassin. The greatest death that we have seen this year. 
Mm. I'm saying it right now. It's better than anything that was in Puppet Master, which are probably my second favorite kills. The sheer fact that this guy falls face first onto a sea urchin, I loved it. And then that girl is just swimming anywhere. Like, she's just swimming in the pond and she discovers him. And it's like, that pond was shallow enough for him to, like, trudge through with his dirty-ass sack. And he's collecting food for dinner, right? Yeah. What the fuck? And he's, like, gross and wet and... And she's swimming in it, and then you're like, is this a gator place? Like, are there snakes you gotta worry about? Nobody There's knows anything. obviously sea there urchins. There could be piranhas. Why are you swimming here? How do sea urchins work? Are they really that fucking sharp? Like, if you fell on them, would that be yeah, the end of your day? Yeah, I think that's, like, their whole thing. Is okay. That they're pointy. They're just... And mean. Okay. We're landlocked here, so we don't know <laughs> anything about the ocean and aquatic life. <laughs> yeah, sea urchins seem like, like risky business. Like, I would not mess with them. Well, clearly the assassins know to harness their urchiny abilities because they just like watched. But they're so inefficient. They really could. They break more down people. a couple walls and stuff and fences, but otherwise they're just like really ominous and they just appear and like look and glare and stuff. And I guess when this came out, there wasn't a lot like this, so simply showing them is really creepy and cool. Some of the close-up shots were really good, and like the boils on their face and whatnot. Yeah, and seeing them like in the water and stuff was great. The first like ten times we saw it, after yeah. like part fifteen, when they're getting on the boat and they're like, "Come on, guys, get on the boat!" and then the boat gets away from them and just sails off. Okay, and all let's the assassins slow are just down. Okay, we got to talk about that whole scene. Okay, <laughs> because uh, Peter Cushing has told them about this boat. And they're headed toward it. It's going to be their salvation. I don't even remember what they, they all can't get in the boat. Is it just the zombies pop up? No, and they're, they're like, we got to fight these zombies. They're stuck in the mud. And then Beverly falls down and there's a bunch of zombies there. But I'm not sure how close in relation the zombies are to Beverly because they're in two different shots. And, and they never move. And she's just staring at them like ominously. And they're staring at her ominously. And then they go back to get Beverly. Like it was awkward. Like they didn't mean to run into each other. Like, oh, oh we were on our here? way to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then they all get out of the boat, and then the boat picks up wind and just sails off empty. Yeah. Which is kind of, that kind of sucks, I guess. Yeah, that boat moved really fast. Just really fast. Everybody got off that boat for no reason. It made no sense. And then, all of a sudden, we're back on land. Everybody's dry, everything's fine. And they're separated. They lost each other in losing the boat and getting back to the hotel, which I guess is a good idea. And nobody got killed by these, these things in the water. Like, they basically spooked them out of their boat. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, there's a reel missing. Like, 100%, they lost a reel on the way to the studio, and they were like, fuck it, the movie works without it. I think the water kill days were a separate day from, like, the plot days, and they didn't have a connecting death for that that boat instance. Oh, well. I don't know. But then we get into, like, some infighting, like, the group is confined, and uh, we find out that Chuck is claustrophobic. And he's freaking out, man. Yeah, but all of those days where he's in a very tight galley or bedroom on yeah. the boat were How totally fine. How would he fine? be fine on a boat? Come on. You would not be okay on a boat. There not are, like, no windows down there. And if there are, they are the size of your fist. Yeah, so he fires a he fires a flare off Inside in this tiny little room. a fridge. Yeah, they're staying in a fridge because that's the safest spot to it be. It locks. Well, and... Sure. Uh, Something about the zombies, they realize that they're not good with light, so that they're in the dark. Yeah, who is it that somebody pulls off their goggles and it, like, immediately kills them? I think Rose pulls off one of their goggles. And then he, like, foams and... Uh, The dead zombie looks great, because it's like he mummifies a little bit. Yeah. And it looks pretty cool. But she doesn't relay that info to anybody, does she? No, there isn't a scene like, okay, guys, we can take them all down. There's only eight of them, and there's 
there were a bunch of us and now there's probably like four of us left. But all you got to do is degoggle those really inefficient assassins. Yeah, just start reaching for those uh, reaching for those head straps and don't shoot off any flares. That's yeah. that's the one way we're going to make it. Out. Oh, uh, we lost already. Oh, God damn it, Chuck. And then there's a five minute recovery scene where Chuck just like fucks off into the pool. And Beverly's. And everybody's just choking on smoke yeah. in the kitchen. And of just course, because on smoke. there just happens to be some rainwater collected in that pool. There's a zombie hiding in there. He's in that pool permanently. Like they've really uh, they've appointed him as the pool zombie. And they're like, hang out here. Trust me, it's going to pay off, Chuck. Do you like, think there's a couch down at the, the bottom in the deep end of that pool? <laughs> he's in that pool for, there's two instances, like two pool fighting instances, and he is there both times just lurking in the shadows, <laughs> just waiting for his pool moment to shine. Chuck dies in the pool. So I guess it worked out. That's their big action sequence, too. There's a lot of Oh, yeah. Fighting. A lot of punching in there. Fighting and whatever. If only Rose had said something about getting those goggles just off. Just taking the goggles off. Yeah, you know, you get close fine. enough to take the goggles off, you just take the fucking goggles off. And then it's Beverly, I think. Beverly gets blinded by the flare, so she spends the rest of the movie just kind of like stumbling around. And she ends feeling. up in the fish tank. Yeah. That I looked mean... good, though. She was bloated. I don't know if that was like a water effect or if they they put like a bloaty suit on her that'd be kind of cool she looks she'd been in that water for minutes yeah it's fine like that's the only reason we had peter cushing taking care of some goldfish because we needed to have a body found in there do we see peter cushing die because i do not remember seeing him die so here's the thing um i also have no recollection of him dying i remember him both black running out? out to the beach and then he like sat in the sand well he he tries to command them Okay. Like he, because he figures, okay. They definitely kill him. They, no, they definitely kill him. They drown him. But I don't know. I think we were both just in our heads for a minute and we both simultaneously missed that scene, which bothers me that we, it's like a Berenstein Bears thing. I feel like it was important. Yeah. Either way, he tries to command them because he's their old commander. They're not having any of it because rank has been broken. Um, They're zombies now. They do not follow the law of man. How, were they always like that? Because the plan for these guys was, Okay, we're going to make these elite soldiers. They don't need weapons. They breathe underwater. We'll put them on a submarine and let them walk across the ocean floor to the enemy and go into their boats and kill them? Pretty cool. Yeah, so I don't know if they never died or not. I don't know if they were always water assassins, though. I think the water thing is like a zombie element because they don't have to breathe now. So that they get to be assassins. I thought that was something they could do while they were alive, quotations. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because he sunk their boat. Like, they lived on a boat. Well, maybe they were transporting to the war or whatever. Because I don't even mm. know where this island is. I don't know where in the world we are. Yeah, you'd think we're at least like... I don't know. Somewhere close to Germany. Well, the hotel where they filmed at was in Florida. Yeah? Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I guess it, there were palm trees, yeah. Apparently it was like out of business for two years and they were like, we will rent your thing for our set. And then they've since refurbished the hotel and it's now like a really nice ritzy... Well, it wasn't... I don't know if it still is. Yeah. So Keith and Rose are in another boat. They're on their way out boat of town. Number two. Yeah, and this is where we see another corpse we in never, that glass bottom. We never see the yacht again. Does the yacht sink, or are they parked? Is it parked? Yeah. What is the term for parking a boat? Is that you anchor? We're anchored. Yeah, you anchor it. We throw anchor down. But if it's taken on water, like, shouldn't they be? going back to the boat and bailing it out and hoping for the best because eight people bailing out a boat that's got a hole you you might be okay for a little while unless it's sunk 
but we don't revisit it. No, we don't see it sink. We just, uh, we see Keith get, this is a cool death. I mean, there's nothing special to it. It just looks good. One of the zombies pops up, grabs Keith around the midsection, pulls him right down into the water, and he disappears forever. And then Rose is all like Rose in Titanic, and is like, there's no room on the door. <laughs> <laughs> she, she just like looks on, sadly, and they never pop back up. And, oh, she sees him in the viewfinder. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. And he's like strangled by the boat ropes, which is a nice touch. Maybe he was just like hanging him there like an ornament. Like, oh, you're going to survive in this boat for a while, but you have to look at this corpse that we have tethered to the bottom of it for the duration of your stay. And they don't, they don't do anything to try and get her. I guess they only exist around that beach. Like they, they can't go further away from their boat. Either that or they just got to let somebody live to tell the story. It might be another cursed thing. Like maybe they're cursed to like the location of their wreckage or something. Maybe. It seems like they Although I think transported they just, their wreckage. I don't know the rules of these guys. I think they tour around like pirates and just like yeah. cause havoc, right? They, they Well, they definitely were out for revenge, I think. I think the main goal for them was to get their commander. To kill Peter Cushing, yeah. Yeah, and then they did that and they were like, mm, we might as well finish off these tourists. I mean, we started. I mean, that's just the cherry on top. I don't know any of the rules of these zombies. Not at all. No. Nope. Why does light kill them? Like, surely Peter <laughs> Cushing could have said something like, well, we made these crazy monsters, like perfect inhuman killing machines. Uh, you know, tragically, though, v- vitamin D deficiency, blah, 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 <laughs> blah. And, like, it's not even like the sun hurts them. It's that if... They, like, pickle. Which if, is weird. It just but hurts only, their eyes. But only their eyes. <laughs> like, so it's like... The window to the soul. Oh. Still no, John, make sense. I'm really not getting on No, <laughs> still doesn't make sense. Oh, well. Uh, it, and it's also like a quite long film. There's a few slumber parties in the hotel. Mm-hmm. There's the slumber party on the boat. And then there's the two failed boat escape incidents. Man. And then we, at the very end, we go back to Rose in the hotel room writing out her story in a journal. Oh my god, I forgot about this! the largest penmanship in the history of journal writing. Yeah, so she's... Four words per page. That's it. Yeah, (laughs) huge. I think it's probably so we can see it on the screen. Could she not have just been, been telling a police officer who is just not believing her story? Yeah, why did she need to write it out? I don't know. And what happened, what became of the Zombs is what I would like to know. Are they there to this day? Shockwaving under the sea. So what is your rating of Shockwaves? I mean, I liked some of those underwater sequences. The zombies were fun. They made no goddamn sense. It made me laugh, and it's got Peter Cushion. Give us a 1.5 out of 4. Um, I also liked the zombies, even though I didn't understand their rules. They had really cool eyes, uh, or goggles, I guess I would say. Um, really good posture. Um, they had some really, really good posture. They had some really interesting formations. They retained some of their military. I also form. really liked Keith, co-captain Keith's luxurious hair. Yeah, you wouldn't um, stop talking about it. So it had so much volume, and it was probably all the salt water from his boating days. Uh, I'm gonna give it a one and a half. <laughs> yeah, clearly, Dead Snow, a much better film, way more fun. Better looking zombies. Too many intestines were my liking and some gross out moments, but um, it at least explained its zombies. And oh, nobody held explained my their attention. zombies. Nobody explained their zombies at all. That's a really good point. What am I talking about? They just kind of appeared. They yeah. at least had a bigger... They both had really shitty backstories. They Damn. had some rules, though. These ones didn't have rules. Just that they liked the water. And also the snow. I don't know why I like horror movies set in the snow. It's just such a... I mean, I do appreciate boats, though. You don't get a lot of... 
boaty horrors. Yeah, we went to, to two far extremes here. We had water in multiple forms. We, we had snowed water and regular water. Good job, John. Yeah. Pulling those comparisons. Totally. Uh, we want to hear your opinion if you saw both of these films. Tweet at us at NOFS Podcast, or you can head over to our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We're going to stick around for a few more minutes and play a game that I've put together called Where in the World is Zombie San Diego? We're going to visit some exotic locations where zombies have appeared and murdered multiple people. And I'm going to do a great job of it. Oh, such a great job. So good. I made a multiple choice this time, so you've got a, you've got a fighting chance in this one. Yeah, yeah, I sure do. Uh, if you would like to hear that and all of our other bonus content, we are recording a drive home from the drive-in of Overlord. The theme, the loose theme of this week's episode was zombie horror, uh, zombie Nazi horror, and yeah. so such is Overlord. So if you want to hear that review and this bonus episode and all of the other extra content, head to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. But that's it for us this week. I'm John. Um, Kim. Stay, stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends.